0: To get started visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss.
1: The Opinion Line on Corks 96 FM. We've been getting calls and messages from people who can't use their name because they're part of the service, they can't go on the air because they're part of the service or they're connected to the service with regard to the situation in the ambulance service. And we know of people waiting very, very long durations of time for ambulances to come. And we know that there's a serious problem with the dispatching system, nationally, but locally in particular, with regard to the dispatch of ambulances. That whole issue was raised in the Dáil uh, in the last couple of weeks uh, by uh, temporary TD Michael Lowry.
0: This service is failing men, women, and children across the country. This service is failing full stop. Every public representative here has heard the stories emanating from the paramedics themselves, from the ambulance crews, and from the general public who have been affected. We have to tackle what is a national crisis by engaging with and listening to the frontline staff.
1: Now, in the wake of that speech, which was longer than that, we also got uh, correspondence here at the opinion line from someone who, again, cannot attempt to go on air, can't give us their name, but we're happy as to the veracity of what I'm about to read you. They sent us a list of recent incidents. A female in Blarney with a fractured hip, three and a half hour wait for an ambulance. A male in Carrignavar, after a road traffic accident, waited an hour and 55 minutes. A female in Barrefehan had a fall on the road 90 minutes while an ambulance came from Waterford. A female with a sick child told there wasn't any ambulance available, rang back, still no ambulance. Eventually, she rang and told them to cancel the ambulance. They said, that's fine, but we still haven't any ambulance from Cork City this is you'll get this one ambulance from Cork City dispatched to Waterford to take a woman 11 minutes from her home to Waterford Hospital and then the ambulance come back to Cork and this one this is the one that prompted the note a man in Cork who rang 999 for an ambulance for his mother who had chest pain the dispatcher wasn't able to give an indication of how long they'd be waiting. The man decided he'd drive his mother to the hospital, It was about 12 minutes away. His mom died in the car on the way to hospital. Ted Kenny is, and we've spoken before, Ted Kenny is the SIP2 rep for the ambulance service. Ted, good morning. Good morning, PJ. These stories are horrendous, and they keep coming in.
0: That's quite true. And not only, um, I mean, there are examples of what's happening in Cork, but the same examples um, apply across the 26 counties. And that is a major issue uh, for us as a as you know representing um, the paramedics uh, within Cork City and County and, and nationally. Um, and what we have done with management is that we have initiated management to do a capacity review. And that capacity review and what we want to see is an increase of approximately 2,000 staff with at least 100 or 200 new ambulances to be put in place and um, no later um, than 2027. They've already started a recruitment drive for new paramedics. Mm. And what we're saying quite clearly to the government is that whatever comes out of the capacity re- review, they have to be prepared to fund it. Yeah. And... At the moment, there's no indication, there's no, uh, indication that they will. Um, and we have to keep driving that agenda both through local politicians, through local media like yourself, and through pressure by us as, uh, as a union on behalf of membership uh, with government to make sure that happens. Ted, the, the dispatch system,
1: and look, it's done by Central and it's done according to the nearest available ambulance, and we know there's a ping comes up on the map and all of that but what, something is seriously wrong where a woman is 11 minutes from a hospital in Waterford and the ambulance has to be sent from Cork to Waterford to take her that 11 minutes something's badly broken
0: there it is um, see the difficulty that the National Ambulance Service find themselves at the moment in under the dispatch system that they operate under and also in relation to the HICWA standards in relation to response times the dispatchers in New York which is the national control center based in Tallinn. we have one in Belly Shannon as well as a kind of a backup to it the the, the biggest problem that the controllers find is, and to no fault of, their, uh, of the people working in the control rooms it's got to do with the system they will send the next available ambulance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean there was a situation recently here in Kerry that there was no ambulance and now if you take this now right there's an ambulance in any given time, 24-7, there's an ambulance based in Dingle, an ambulance based in Listole, two or three ambulances based in Tralee, an ambulance based in Killarney, an ambulance based in Kinmare, an ambulance based in Carseveen.
1: That's a, a, phys- ago, a physical no...
0: vehicle, you mean? This is a physical vehicle. Yeah, vehicle, we, we have them right? all over Cork
1: as well, north, south, yes. east and west, yeah.
0: But there was one incident in Kerry a couple of weeks ago where there was no ambulance available in Kerry. They were all out of the county. They were either out of the county or they were tied up in any in, in, in University Hospital, Kerry. There was a car crash outside in Sleighhead in, 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 in just outside of Dingle in West Kerry. And the ambulance that was dispatched to that was sent from Castle Tombier, which is a journey of two and a half hours. It made no sense, yeah. no sense whatsoever. But the difficulty is all the other ambulances in Kerry were all tied up.
1: Am I right in saying as well, Ted, that in terms of recording dispatch times and I'll be careful how I ask this question because the staff in the center are just doing their job. So if it is a thing that I have an accident in Douglas and I the an ambulance is called and that ambulance has to come from, for argument's sake, Dungarvan, it's dispatched within ninety seconds and that's the time that's recorded, correct? Correct. Not the time it takes to get to me. Correct. Right. The time it takes to and, get and to me is not recorded. Let's get that very clear.
0: It's my knowledge that it's not recorded. It's not. and um, Because at the end of the day, someone in Douglas um, rings an ambulance and it's dispatched from Dungarvan. That ambulance in Dungarvan may, may be 20 minutes away from the actual ar- arriving on scene and could be stood down if another ambulance within Cox City was made available.
1: Ah, you're joking me.
0: And that's, happening, and that's happening on a daily basis.
1: Hang on, hang on, uh, you're joking me, Ted. So the, the ambulance, we'll say, is beyond Middleton, we'll say, headed into town, and the lads get a bleep on the radio, you can go back, we've another one found. So that's course. a whole hour of their day, entirely wasted.
0: It is, so we have crews at the moment, and this is frightening, PJ. We have crews at the moment who are putting up between 500 500 kilometers a day answering calls, but never actually get to a scene of a call. That's hard to believe, but it's factual. So that will just tell you, PJ, what what the the state of the National Ambulance Service is at at present. The funding that was given to the National Ambulance Service in the last three or four years, five years, was non-existent. We have we developed an ICO service. What's that? Then? Um, ICO an, an ICB service is an inter hospital um, 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 transfer. Right? Okay. That's what they mainly should do right, so they would do that, and that and, and, and that would alleviate the need for frontline analysts to do it. Mm. The problem is the people employed as in, 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 in as ICOs in the ICB service a lot of these people have gone on to become paramedics. And they haven't been backfilled. Right. So there's a shortage there. And then when hospitals are looking to transfer patients out of hospitals, they're either ringing the, the frontline ambulance or the burden has gone over to the private ambulance service. Mm. There's another, And the cost has gone through the roof.
1: There's another horrendous uh, st- uh, statistic or story within this letter we got relating to the 24th of September when there was only one available ambulance in Cork City from 8pm to 8am and at one point that was taken out of Cork, sent to Dublin, presumably for an essential run and then others had to come in from outside into the city, leaving their areas without cover.
0: Correct, and that is the same example as I said earlier in relation to Kerry where the ambulance from Castletownbere had to come back to a car accident in Ingle. And that's happening the lint and breadth of the country. We have ambulances in the Midlands who are going up into Roscommon, up into Sligo. We have ambulances that go from Cork into Dublin. And on their way out of Dublin, they could be dispatched to calls within the Midlands. Yeah. So their overruns, which is a major issue yeah. for us in relation to health yeah. and safety, Yeah, let alone, the alone the... could end up 17 hours. Yeah,
1: yeah. let alone the fact that you have people driving and staffing ambulances for far, far longer than their required 12-hour shift.
0: Correct. And they're actually, uh, and and those shifts at times, have run into, they've gone five, six, five and six hours over their um, um, their, their shifts. So they're working 17, 18 hours.
1: Has anybody in the the National Ambulance Service uh, uh, heard of the European Working Time Directive, heard of anything like
0: that? Well, they have, I mean, the European, they have, but the problem is, you see, in emergency services, um, that legislation is very weak. Yeah. And that's a problem as well.
1: Surely it shows the the urgent need for more and more services. Someone's been on the phone, Ted, to say, why is the ambulance service being sent to houses to check for COVID when there are centres to do that? Because the the, the ambulances have been brought in as part of the the COVID response too, and, and that's made more work for you guys.
0: Well, the situation with COVID, I mean, the the National Amnesty Service were integral in in relation to when when COVID first came in last March, 12 months. But we now have um, all the frontline paramedics and frontline ICOs, um, other than those specifically taken on. And when I say taken on, those that were specifically implied newly staffed. They're the only people that are in the COVID test centers and the swabbing um at the moment. All the rest of the frontline staff are all taken back. So I don't understand the question um about frontline nurses being sent out to COVID or check COVID. They're not. Yeah.
1: They're specially employed staff, you're saying.
0: There is. Okay. So there's a number of issues there's a number of issues being done at the moment, right? And, I mean, I have to say this because at the end of the day, I don't want to be signed a disciple to do nothing for our membership, right? We have working groups set up in relation to the whole issue around call and dispatch, around meal breaks and around extended duty. And a lot of work has been done and a lot of progress is, is going to be made in that. We have two new units at the moment where, it is, where um, a registrar will go out to um, a call and they will treat the person in the house that will save them coming to A&E. We are in management or in, or in liaison with hospital management to free up ambulances when they get to here and e We have a new system at the moment which was only negotiated last week that for for Agmusik in uh, UH, UHK or in Cock University Hospital. If there's five or six ambulances, there'll be a specialised team that will come and set up a mobilised tent and more or less have a second A&E outside that A&E, to free up the ambulances, to to, to put them back on the road to answer the calls. And once those patients in that um, pop-up tent are gone through a the tent is packed up and that team is gone and they're moved on to the next hospital.
1: So we are assessing patients in tents, Ted, in
0: 2021. That is the aim. Is the aim. In order to free up ambulances, in order to the public, in relation to the instances that you have outlined to me there, in order to make sure that they don't happen going forward.
1: And And can anything happen to to stop people having to go from Cork to Waterford for an 11-minute transfer? Because that makes no sense.
0: None whatsoever. None whatsoever, PJ. But at the end of the day... That's the call system that they have, that the next available resource... But what is SIP2
1: doing to, to change that that call system? I mean, you and I are having a very good conversation this morning. Ted, I'm learning a whole lot from it, and so are my listeners. But what I'm not hearing is what SIP2 is going to do about that.
0: Well, what SIP2 is saying quite clearly, and as I said from the outset, does a capacity review, so more staff is needed. There's no point saying any different. There is more staff needed and more ambulances needed to reduce those type of calls. Mm. What we're also looking at is working closely with management within New York, within the National Control Center, to look at their systems that if people, for argument's sake, is coming up to the last hour of their shift, that they wouldn't get a call outside of their base or outside of their area. Mm-hmm. So, so the extended duty wouldn't be extended for four, five, or six hours. The whole issue around meal breaks, it's a major bone of contingent for our paramedics that they're on the road five, six hours, and they can't get a break. Yeah. That's being looked at at the moment, and they're st- and they're serious issues. Of course, of course. And, but they are being but they are being addressed. Now, and The working groups have have, have finalised. They've sat down with management, and I am hoping within the next ten days that those um, uh, recommendations will be furnished. Okay.
1: D- does the public have have a role to play here, Ted, in in the way they use the
0: ambulance service? Yes, they do, and there's no point in saying any different. They do, and not only the public but GPs as well. I mean, there's instances that paramedics have said to me where they were dispatched to a call and they went to a house and the lady had a broken tunnel. I mean, those I type of calls. Away. I am not. I'm telling the truth. There's GPs sending people in by ambulances. For, if you ring, for argument's sake, out of our service, right, the, the likes of South Docks of this world, if they, are not prepared, if they are not available to come out to you, they will tell you to call an ambulance. I know people who have called an ambulance with an eye infection. I'm being transported by ambulance into UHK and It's absolutely crazy. There's people out there that see the ambulance. If they can't get a Dr. ring an ambulance, it's a total waste of resources.
1: Now, I guess, you and to situation- be fair, Ted, if you're sick or in pain or all of that, it's, it's the old my sore finger syndrome. Your sore knee, you, yeah, it probably could wait for the GP in the morning you've fallen on the stairs you've twisted your knee it probably could easily wait for the GP in the morning but you want you want something done it's human instinct to get an ambulance
0: oh it is it is it is but there has to be an education program and I've been saying this to national to, to management within the national ambulance service. there should be a media driven um, educational program in relation to what are the uh, acute calls that people should call the ambulance for I mean, someone with a twisted knee, maybe there's a family member that could put them in the car and take them into A&E. Yeah. Without the necessity of bringing an ambulance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a to God and, and this is the thing, I mean, that's a horrifying story when you said there, that lady, that individual who drove his mommy into hospital and she died in the car. That's right. Classic scenario. If you have six or seven ambulances in Kerry and they're either all tied up in A&E or they're out of the county at other calls and someone gets a cardiac, a cardiac arrest in any one of our major towns that there is an ambulance base in, in Kerry or in Cork, and there's no ambulance. If they're not responded to, the likelihood that that individual will die. Now, it's a fright to God if one of those ambulances could be at that scene, but they're at a scene with someone with a broken toenail.
1: All right.
0: Ted, and that's the harsh realities of life.
1: I'm sure it is. Ted, i leave it there. Thank you very much. It's been a very enlightening and frightening phone call. Uh, that's Ted Kenny. He's the SIP2. Representative for uh, ambulance paramedics. It's crackers. It's just crackers. I've I've told you this before and I'm worth repeating again. The night my dad died, and look what happened with dad, he he wasn't going to make it anyway. We now know that. But he was sitting on his bed waiting for an ambulance. The two lads arrived, two wonderful lads. God, they could not have done more for him and they could not have been more skilled and more attentive. They came from Dunningaravan.